fine, Mother. Whatever you decide to do with the apartment is fine. Because I am never, ever setting foot in it, ever. Oh, well, now, that's the best news I've heard all day. Is that a promise? It is. Good. Then I'm moving up there right now. I'm gonna, well, there's no heat. There's no electricity. There's nothing. You know, I thought Brooklyn was loud. Hello. Welcome back to... Oh, hey, hey, go the Who's the Boss podcast. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was all right, right? <laughs> we have exciting news. We got a voicemail. Yay! Yes. Yep. We have gotten our very first voice message. Now, we're going to play it here in a second, but I just want to say that um, on subsequent episodes of this podcast, you're still going to hear us crying that we have no voice messages. I wasn't crying. <laughs> but we are lying. Because we've now gone back in and we're putting in the voicemail that we have received yes. for um, Paint Your Wagon. See, this is why you should leave us a voicemail. <laughs> okay, so here's Jamie's voice message. Hey, so this is Jamie Whitesell. I post on all those Who's the Boss Instagram and Facebook pages as jwhitesell82. But um, one, I just want to tell you guys that I really look forward to your Monday and Thursday drops. You're a lot of fun to listen to. I mean, obviously, you're really comfortable with each other, and I think that gives you a unique dynamic for a podcast. Uh, I, I think, like, as married people, um, you guys being willing and able to work together on a project, you know, it's in a lighthearted, respectful way that's um, where you're also able to disagree and everything, I don't think it's super common. And um, I also think that um, because one of you is more familiar with the show than the other, the audience gets both the perspective of somebody who's a veteran and um, also a fresh look at it. And I just, I think it's really unique and you guys do a great job. Also, I wanted to weigh in that, on that moment on Paint Your Wagon where Tony fakes out Angela with the basketball and Mona and Angela toss it back and forth. And you guys were talking about whether you thought that was scripted or not. And I just want to say my opinion on this thing, um, that part cracks me up so much every time. And I actually think it was scripted because um, well, when, it wasn't just like a playful toss he gave to Angela. It was like a playful power move like a gotcha where he fakes her out pretending he's gonna throw it really hard or unexpectedly or something which is also more of a buddy move you know it's like he just rubbed it in at exactly the wrong time when mrs wilmington was there and everything like the rosemary's baby reference but it's like a step further where he wasn't just like equal to her but like pulling ahead and so i think angela and mona were just like trying to downplay how unconventional and familiar that whole exchange was by pretending that that was just like normal and expected with them. And that's what like, we, you know, it was <laughs> so ridiculous. But mostly I think it's scripted because it is so out of character for either woman. Mona's like painfully demure, in your face. I mean, it was just so forced. I mean, I just, I just laugh every time. Oh, and I just want to tell you guys, I love how you guys like just like spend the whole time giving your like honest opinion and like saying the just like oh yeah your honest opinion about the things that are on the show whether they're weird or they're funny or like the crazy decor in the garage and like the coat rack above the fridge or the weird outfits or the tall sweatpants and I mean I don't just that thick shoulder pads I mean I just I love it I love it just your honest opinions about things how you how you take them and feel about them and I think it's just it's really cool and it's very fitting for the show and they're comfortable like relationship with each other it's like this comfortable safe space where you guys can just like you know just tell the truth about like how silly things are sometimes on there and um anyway i just 
I love it. I love the way you guys are doing this, and it's just a lot of fun to listen to. So thanks a bunch. Okay, bye. Thank you so much, Jamie. Yeah. That was very exciting to get our first voice message, and we really appreciate all the nice things. Yeah, it's nice to hear someone else's perspective. Yeah, that's interesting what you're saying about how he's not only sort of showing how familiar with he, he is with her, but also sort of like a little one-up, like he's running things around there. Yeah, yeah. But And thank you for all the nice things that you said, because this is the first time we've ever done this, so I'm really happy to hear that people are actually enjoying this. Right. We've been doing this for a while with zero feedback, so we don't know. <laughs> That's not what? totally true. No, like, I know. I, I get stuff on uh, I, the Instagram comp. Instagram That's comments true. and stuff are always That's true. That's very true. nice. So, and um, some I've gotten a couple of messages on Instagram, and I appreciate every single one of them. Yeah, Thank it's, you. yeah, it's great. All right, so we're not done now. It's more exciting news. We have a little bit of who's the boss news. I'm gonna giggle every time we play that intro. <laughs> I don't think awesome. I don't know that anyone else is gonna find it amusing, but I do. <laughs> okay, so recently, Entertainment Tonight interviewed Judith Light about the TV show Manhunt that's being broadcast on CBS. And while he was interviewing her, he asked about the Who's the Boss reboot. Mm -hmm. So let me know what you think about her response. I know that Who's the Boss is in the works of being remade uh, with Tony and Alyssa. Is there any chance you make an appearance on there? I don't know, we'll just see how things unfold, but I am really supportive of them and of the show. Judith says she has other projects lined up, but we're crossing our fingers for a Angela and Tony reunion. You know, it was a huge portion of my life, and, you know, I, I love it, and I'm, you know, I love them, so. Uh, see, that's interesting. Um, she didn't necessarily say anything like, well, uh, they haven't contacted me, so. Oh, yeah. No, do you know what I mean? So yeah. she, it could be a, maybe she's going to be on as a surprise, and they're trying to keep it that way. Yeah. You know, because it. She couldn't commit probably to a whole show whole like season. Tony Danza yeah. and Alyssa Milano can right now, but um, there, who's to say? You know, she, I mean, she's probably going to be on. I hope so. Like, which I, would be cool. I, even if she is like a secondary character that comes in and out, sort of like Mona did on the original run. But as long as they don't have any kind of like dumb breaking Tony and Angela up, like they did with Mulder and Scully for the reboot. Like, just have her be somewhere. <laughs> or or kill her off immediately. No. You know, start off the show. <laughs> don't do that. No, that'd be a revolt. No, um, that'd be terrible. So, yeah. So I'm not super excited about her answer, but I honestly think that it just has to do with her schedule. I mean, she has so many things lined up. So we'll see. Yeah. Today we are discussing season one, episode 14. The title is Guess Who's Coming Forever? Oh, shoot. What? I'm Tori. Oh, and I'm Kevin. Yes. Every Ooh. time. I know. Um, <laughs> so the title is Guess Who's Coming Forever. Mm-hmm. This episode originally aired on January 29th, 1985. And the TV Guide summary is when Mona is evicted, Tony suggests that she move into the loft over the garage. But the arrangement is a little too cozy for Angela. I don't feel like it really encapsulates what this episode is about, but that's okay. It's a little too close for comfort for Angela. Right. Yeah. It doesn't really call out the fact that they fight pretty much the entire episode. Right. But at the beginning of this episode, we meet Grover. Yeah, Grover. There he is, Grover. He won't be with us long, but he'll be in our hearts forever. Mm. (laughs) Tony's cleaning the kitchen floor. 
Jonathan runs through the house, Samantha runs through the house, and then Grover runs through the house and messes everybody. I mean, they don't really mess up his floor, but he acts like they're messing up his floor. Yeah, I mean, it's all set. Yeah. Whatever. And we, you can see through the wind, um, through the door as they're coming in that the backdrop for the fence in the backyard is just flapping. Yeah, the whole thing. So apparently um, Danny Pintaro, Alyssa Milano, and the dog really caused like a, a breeze yeah, <laughs> when running. they were running through. And I, I was trying to figure out what Tony's humming in the beginning, and it's, it, must be, it just must be nothing, like nonsense. Oh. I rewound wow. it a couple times, and I it doesn't. Because sometimes he hums actual songs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah, I know it's groundbreaking, but he was. He's humming wise mop in the floor. And he does like one little last and mop that's not even like in a corner. Like, did he ever even complete the floor behind him? I don't know. But where's the table? He, I, he moved it out so he could mop the floor. I know it's in the backyard because it's not in the living room. Uh, oh, you're right. It's not in the living yeah. room. Maybe it was in the backyard. I guess you moved all the furniture when you mopped. Yeah. Well, if you're Tony Maselli, you do. You yeah, I guess so. Anyway. So, Mona announces that she got a dog. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Angela is uncomfortable with dogs. So I know. She, she comes panic, into the kitchen saying that the children are being attacked by a large dog. And by attack, they're being licked and kissed and they're playing with them. So, everybody, the dog loves everyone except for Angela. And right. Mona explains that she had to take this dog because one of her neighbors was going to be evicted if he kept it. Right. <laughs> and the kids decide that they're going to go. Okay, so Jonathan wants to go over to Richard Welling's house now that they have this dog. And Samantha's like, aren't you afraid of him? And he says, not anymore because they have this, this giant This large dog. dog. Right. And that, so Richard Welling, the first time we hear of him is in Angela's first fight. That's the kid that they get into a fight with um, when Samantha comes home with the bloody nose and Jonathan has a little cut on his elbow. And that's not the last time we're going to hear of Richard Welling either. So Mm. it's pretty good continuity there. Yeah, Richard Welling sticks around. Yeah, so the kids run down to Richard Welling's house. They're not gone long. And that's when Mona basically says that she's going to need a place to stay. And you can see underneath the door in this scene... When the kids leave, if you look under the door in the wide shot, you can still see the feet of the actors back at the door ready to come back in for their next line, which Mm-mm. is cute, especially the dog. I feel like he's casting a large shadow. <laughs> yeah, he's big. So they come back in, and Jonathan's like, what are all the suitcases outside? So Mona's staying there. Tony is super excited that Mona is going to be staying at the house. Because I guess for him, like, family stays with family. You right. live in a house with more you know multiple generations and Angela and Mona are not as comfortable with that at all right so Angela I guess is helping Mona try to find a place for her to live so it seems like it's the next day Tony's preparing dog food for the dog yeah <laughs> which looks like a bowl of kick cereal yeah, it's clearly cereal yes which is good because Angela walks in and just immediately takes a piece of the cereal and starts eating it and because she's complaining about how she can't help, she's not finding any apartments. Yes. Now, my question is, even if this wasn't dog food in the bowl, maybe Tony was just making himself a bowl of cereal. Why is she just walking in and immediately eating somebody else's bowl of food? I don't know. She doesn't know any better. <laughs> she did that in another one, too, with the salad that yeah, Tony was making. Just eating things. Yeah. 
so she he tells she takes a bite of the food and he's like she's like oh this is good he's like yeah and you'll have a really nice shiny coat give awesome. you a shiny coat and yeah prevent toad breath <laughs> something and so she spits it out and i noticed in this scene so we've we've called out that tony's been wearing the same outfit in a couple of scenes but in this scene she's wearing a pair of brown pants that i feel like we've seen at least four other times no, so maybe yeah yeah it is interesting that I guess it's it's her it's her casual clothes, which appear to be a pair of thick corduroy brown pants <laughs> with an enormous belt. Those are her like casual. comfortable, yeah, ca- casual Friday. So I guess maybe they're recycling some of those, or maybe she just really liked that pair of pants. But they're kind of like the pants that she wears around the house. So around this time, Mona comes in. She's super excited because she has found a condo to buy. Yes. But that condo is 60 miles away in a town called New London. Yep, New London. Where there is nothing but a naval base. But that Which doesn't bother Mona a little bit. intrigued by the naval base. <laughs> She's going to work her way. It's a plus through the, to yes. Mona. We'll work her way through the naval base. <laughs> now, when I was in college at UCF, there was a naval base nearby. And my roommate at the time, I was a freshman, she was a senior. She used to drag me to these country bars with her. And it was nothing but Navy guys. And that's what I remembered when I heard that. Yes. She also loved it. I wasn't as much of a fan. <laughs> the naval Navy guys. <laughs> the Navy guys at the country bar, not really my scene. Mm. But anyway, I was a freshman. I didn't know any better. So again, Tony's like, no, why are you moving that far away? Like, I have a great idea. Why don't you just move into the garage apartment? And... At first, Angela's really against the idea. So is Mona, but he says that he has a couple of guys that he knows that would be able to do the work, and yeah. it's much closer than New London. It wouldn't really be under the same roof. She would have a private space. So Angela's like, you know, I was kind of hoping to do something with that space at some point, so maybe this is a good idea. What? Why is, at one point, she says one thing's too far, you know the new London's too far, right. and the, and the and the garage apartment's too close. So why does why it's is it Tony that asks what's a good distance? No, Mona asks. Or Mona, that. and then yeah. she says eight, eight miles. miles. What does that mean? I don't know. I guess that's okay. The appropriate. I thought that was significant. No, I don't think so. Eight miles. Well, that's not that far. Yeah, but, but I guess it's that's not like close. Or like a twenty-minute drive at least. So. Your mom can't like necessarily just pop over. In L.A., that's a 20-minute drive. Yeah, that's true. There could be an eight-minute drive. But, right. yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, like, close enough, but not living with you. Mm. Okay. Maybe yeah, she eight lived miles. eight miles away. That's how long she... Oh, okay. Maybe that's how far she lived, yeah. you know, already in her old apartment. Yes. Yeah, I didn't really understand that either. So now, Tony's going to introduce these <laughs> construction workers that he knows, and it's... Batayas and son, sons. No, Batayas and son. Well, that's up for debate. Right. So the credits for these two gentlemen, the last name is Brogosi. Brogosi. I'm pretty sure that that even, I'm sure that that spelling does not turn into Batayas. So I don't know how, and even in the credits, it's on IMDb that way, and even in the credits that run on the show, it says Brogosi, but... He clearly is saying battalions like three times in the show. So we're going to call them the battalions. Yeah, I think it's safe. So before they even show up, Mona and Angela are already fighting because Mona now is like, okay, well, I was going to put this money down on a condo and now I can put it down on this instead and right. really make a nice place. 
And Angela's like, no, it's my house, so I'll pay for it, and then you can rent it from me. So... But then Tony once again works out. Or did he already work out the agreement? No, this is where he does. So he works okay, out the compromise yeah, okay, where, yeah. like, Mona can do f- design and f- finishing touches, and Angela would do, like, construction, mm. like, the basic stuff. Next scene is Mona and Angela, and again, they're arguing. So... Well, they're it, looking at the brochures and... Yeah, well, Mona has picked out a bathtub that's $3,500. Right. And it <laughs> and only fits what, two people. Right. And has bizarre. eight jets. And that's what um, part of what Angela is paying for. So she's like, I just really want to get estimates on this stuff before we really like lock in anything here. And they're going through a catalog where Mona apparently wants some sort of dirty faucet yeah they look apparently they're penis faucets or something i don't know vagina faucets what are they i'm dedicated to this research on the podcast so i went to google and i actually typed in sexual faucet to see what i could find and you found something i I didn't i did find one penis shaped faucet but it it clearly has to be a joke but yeah like I don't understand. I don't either. Like, what could it be? Is it like, like, yeah, like, is it a penis or is it like a Georgia O'Keeffe flower and then water comes out of the middle? It's Mona. It's penises. Yeah. So. But I still don't know. (laughs) You're going to entertain and have your penis (laughs) faucet. Now, hopefully that's like the bathroom faucet and not the kitchen faucet because. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Be as sexual as you want, but keep it out of the kitchen, I think. I don't know if you want a giant penis just pouring water onto your vegetables as you scrub them. That sounds awful. (laughs) So (laughs) they just continue a fight. They don't agree about anything. So Tony comes in, and his construction worker friends are there getting started. He asks if the battalions, he says it, can come in and have a beer. Right, because on their break... (laughs) While they're working on the condo, they want to come have a beer. Now, we but had, it is the eighties, so. But you, you know, we've had some work done on the house here, especially mm-hmm. some landscaping, and the, we there has been beer drinking on breaks. We've seen it happen, mm-hmm. so it's even happening. I'm sure it's not supposed to happen, but it's happening even these days. So yeah, I'm not yeah. opposed to it, but it's still bizarre. No, yeah, I mean, but I but work the, in a place where you can drink. But the fact that they want to come in and have a beer. (laughs) Then Angela's like, well, I am paying them by the hour. He's like, it's fine. They'll drink real fast. Yeah. So now if you recognize (laughs) Dad Batayas, it is because he is Pat Harrington Jr. Mm. who played Schneider on One Day at a Time. Mm. That's probably his largest credit that you would recognize him. Now, I did not recognize him. I I had to go look it up, and I I think it's because... I recognize him, but I didn't. Well, once I knew who it was, I did, but I think the mustache really made... Because Schneider Schneider had a mustache, right? Yes. And I felt like he was taller than this guy, but... I don't know. I think the mustache really made it. I recognized him, but it was one of those, this guy's in something. Mm -hmm. And he looked like Dean Martin. That's the only two (laughs) things I could... So I'm like, did he play Dean Martin or something? And but, he he died in uh, 2016 at the age of 86. I actually remember that happening. And now the son, Batayas, yes, is Pat Harrington's actual son, yeah, Michael Harrington. Interesting. Yeah, he. I mean, he still does some acting. Uh, I looked him up. 
oh, the okay. thing that he's like really known for, but it seemed like he was doing, you know, some 80s and 90s TV around that time. So probably figured it was a good fit to be on this show with his dad. Immediately, Mona starts flirting with Mr. Batayas. She's He's excited that it's a mother-daughter duo. She's excited that it's a father-son duo. Yeah, which is... <laughs> and he likes her faucet choice. Yes, well... So maybe it isn't a penis, then. Now, yeah, now maybe I'm really back to could, the George O'Keefe flower. Yeah, we could break off and have a separate <laughs> podcast about what kind of dirty faucets Mona got, but... Yeah. But all Angela is concerned about is how much this bathroom's going to cost. So she asks him, and he's like, it depends on how many extras you want. Do yeah. you want electricity? And, yeah. Do you want water? water. Yeah, these water. are not extras. It's bathroom. Yeah. And then he tells his son to make sure he's writing that down. You need to write down that you want electricity and water. I know, but he's writing it down. It confused me. <laughs> Why does everybody need to be writing it down? The two of them weren't very smart. And it's smart. a tiny little notepad with like, <laughs> he's taking an order at a diner. And the estimate is $2,200. And Tony is immediately like, hey, Paisan. $2,200? I thought it was $1,600. This is the original estimate. Oh, man, okay. He says $2,200 for the, for the bathroom and electricity yeah. wash. Hey, Paisan. And a door that opens. And Tony gets him down to $600. Yeah. But like... $2,200 for a bathroom? I feel like that's way low even for the 80s. But I, maybe yeah. these guys are just getting paid under the table or something? Well, the, well, they said upgrades, right? Is this but the upgrades beyond? were electricity and water. <laughs> and a <Yeah>. door. <laughs> a door that opened. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe that was just the actual labor. It all seemed very cheap to me. I feel like... It would cost you way more than that to get a bathroom redone. Anyway, Mona's like, oh, great, we're saving this money. Now I can get put in an eight-foot picture window. Mm. To which Angela says no. I didn't. I, I, I don't know what a picture window is. I think it's just a it's large window. It's just a large window, window I guess. Yeah. yeah, that's what I guessed that it was, but I yeah. never heard the term picture window. Yeah, I mean, I'm not positive about that. I don't okay. think it's a bay window, and it's not like a window with a seat, necessarily. So. Or a window with a picture jammed in it. <laughs> I think it's just a big window. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Angela said no, and that it would look right into her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I love that Mona's like, it doesn't. what does it matter? Nothing no. happens in there. <laughs> and that really sets Angela off. So they get into a big fight. The Battaglia's brothers suck the down their beers and get, I mean, son, father and son, suck down their beers and get out of there. He invites Mona up to watch him spackle if she's interested after. Yeah, that's... And they, they're really fighting. Like, Mona calls her rigid, uptight, a rigid, uptight stick in the mud. Angela calls her a self-centered, frivolous child. Uh-huh. And they're both hitting Tony. And so Mona's like, okay, that's fine. If you're not going to do the picture window then I'm not moving in and Angela's like you know what do whatever you want with this apartment because I'm never coming up there right and then Mona's like great well I'm going to move in right now even though there's no electricity or heat or water or walls or doors yeah Yeah. floors (laughs) now I think we can expect that like a week has gone by yeah yeah it's hard to tell in this episode but Yeah. yeah and Tony has snuck Mona back into the house so that she can take a shower because she doesn't have any electricity, heat, water, or a door that closes. And <laughs> they think that Angela has left to go shopping, so I guess it's like a weekend day. 
But Angela surprises them and comes back just in time to catch Mona coming out of the ship. Right, because she forgot her credit cards. <laughs> so they're still fighting, and Tony really wants Angela to go talk to her and just like smooth this over. And Angela basically has a conversation with Tony where she says that what she's most upset about is that what her mom says is true, that she is right. really controlled and conservative. And she realizes she's controlling. Yeah. And- and she wishes she could be more like her mom, but that's just really not who she is. And he just really wants her to take the first step to try to make amends. Young Batayas barges into the kitchen at this point. <laughs> yeah, this is my, and, I love this scene. <laughs> and Angela is like, young man, this is my house. she's already fired up. Right. So when he came in, she's pissed <laughs> yeah. off and she was like... This is my yeah. house. You don't barge in. Whatever, right. whatever she says. So he's all apologetic. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. He, he goes leaves, outside. yeah, and then knocks and says, "Can I have a fire extinguisher?" <laughs> like it's a raging funny. inferno right. outside, but she's yelling, telling, and then he comes back in. Yeah, it's funny. And Dad Battaglia shows up and is like, "It's it's fine, it's fine, no problem." And then he's like, "Get out there!" Yeah, it's silly. So apparently, there's some wiring issues, and they're gonna <laughs> have to rewire the apartment. The Estimate for that is fifteen hundred dollars, to which Tony gets him to say six hundred dollars. Yeah, my paisan. So, right, we've got a pattern there. Since Angela's not going to visit Mona, Tony does. So now he's trying to see if he can get Mona to talk to Angela and smooth things over. She's dressed head to toe, like it's she's outside because there's no heat. It's January. She's making hot dogs. With a blowtorch yeah, on screwdrivers. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Cutting bread with a saw. Yeah, that she found from the Yeah, that's just like laying on the, yeah. And, um, yeah, so the the disgusting blowtorch hot dogs don't go over well, and not even Grover likes them. But mm. I was thinking, like, is anyone concerned about Grover? Because when they walk in, he's just kind of laying there. Yeah, it looks like he's dead. Right. Then he eats the hot dogs, and he's, like, moaning. But it's just, they think it's funny. <laughs> so, Tony tells Mona that Angela still doesn't want to come talk to her. And Mona says that it's her fault that Angela is such a square. And we learn a little bit more of the backstory about yeah. when Angela's father dies. Mm-hmm. Died. So, Angela was 14, and it mm-hmm. seems as though, like... Mona probably got married young. Seemed like Angela's dad, you know, obviously made the money. Mona stayed home, took care of the kids. He paid all the bills. He was the head of the household. And so she said that she was very protected and overprotected. So then when he was gone, she really didn't know what to do. And she probably was too depressed at the time to try to figure out what to do. Right. So Angela kind of took on that role. Yeah, and she took over. So by 14, Angela was paying all the bills in the house, probably making sure her mom got up and ate and went to work if she had a job at that point. (laughs) Um, So she's always had to, like, cut kind of mother Mona. Mm -hmm. And Tony's like, well, don't feel so bad about it because, you know, that's part of what made Angela so successful. Like, now... She's running her own business, and I guess inadvertently, that's also, you know, due to Mona. So I think now you could say that about a month has gone by because. Yeah, it had to have, yeah. Yeah, when we left Mona, there was like no walls and nothing. And now. (laughs) And the door that had no hinges (laughs) because it fell in. (laughs) 
So music is blaring. Angela comes into the kitchen. Again, Angela finds food on the table mm-hmm. that probably is not for her and just starts eating it. Immediately starts eating it. Yeah. And she's trying you to figure out. think she would have learned her lesson taking a handful right. of dog food no. and throwing it in her mouth. <laughs> Maybe she figured it looked too fancy. Like this time it really was an animal food. And she was right. So, Still, you don't know what she, Tony's yeah, I mean, making like, that for. Maybe Tony was having people over or something and she's just eating his food. So Tony comes in and says, oh, this stuff is for Mona's housewarming party. The music's going like, come on, let's go. You're late. Mm-hmm. And Angela's saying, well, I wasn't invited. And Tony's like, oh, it's, I'm sure it's fine. Let's just go. And Angela's more concerned with the music, and she wants him to go tell Mona to turn the music down. That's where we get our next, mm-hmm. oh, hey, hey, oh, hey, I'm just a guest. You're the landlord. So yeah, if you right. want her to turn the music down, you're going to Landlady. Is that what he said? I think he says and landlady. Landlord, probably, yeah. I think so. So, yeah, like, what should we call that today? Land person? <laughs> No, Land I think owner. landlord is still... Yeah, but lord accepted. is kind of a masculine term where it could be a woman. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah. I don't... Yeah. Anyway, so um, Angela does decide to go up there to tell Mona to turn the music down. Meanwhile, Mona's sitting there with pillows on her ears because she's not having a party and she didn't turn on the music. The music finally goes off mm-hmm. and they realize, well, if you didn't have the music on and I didn't have the music on, who did? We know. Yes. Enter Tony. So Tony's just happy that he got them in the same place. And even though they're still fighting, he's like, just stop fighting and look around and look at how great this place looks. Yes. Because he said, what did he say? A stuffed shirt and a flake? Uh, yes, yeah, I think so. Like <laughs> a stuffed shirt and a flake. <laughs> like you guys he don't. He them both, but... <laughs> <laughs> like you guys compliment each other better than you think you do. So Tony leaves to let them hash it out and they make up and they do realize that, you know, they really do their personalities complement each other because she kind of makes Angela let loose a little bit and she keeps Mona from going completely off the rails. Yes. Yeah. Now I tried really hard to look in the background as much as I could at this loft. Oh my God, and places an 80s museum yeah, for furniture. It really is. I mean, it's so, like the epitome of... I got to keep my eyes open, though, now, because I don't remember if at some point we're going to see Tony move into this place, and I don't remember if they're going to still have the stairs. I'm going to keep my eyes open for that later on, because... Uh, so, what do you mean he's still on the stairs? Because like, they show them... So this is an apartment like that the is loft? above the garage, yeah. Oh, okay. So they go up a set of stairs on the outside, right. open the door, you're on the first level of the apartment, and then the apartment then, has a loft on right. top of that, which I really wanted them to show us the loft, because no. I just feel like it was probably an animal print disaster. Mm-hmm. Knowing Mona. Most notable in the living room, I would say, are the purple end table. Oh, God, yeah. That's what and, I was going to say if you didn't. And coffee table, mm-hmm. which almost looks like Barbie furniture. Like, I feel like I know. they make bar- so like scary. retro Barbie furniture that kind of looks like that today. It does. And it's very purple. It is. And in the I, 80s. Yes. I looked, now, I looked in the kitchen. Just your standard cabinets, mm-hmm. and I see a faucet, and it doesn't look like a penis. Okay, so, so pro- if, mystery solved, because we don't see the bathroom. Right, yes. So if there is some sort of sexual faucet, it is in the bathrooms. bathrooms. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, or she maybe got a bathtub that 
has eight jets and right. fits two people. So oh, maybe, only. maybe the sexual faucets on the bathtub. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, but everything else looked pretty standard. It's another episode for another 80s. time. We didn't get to see the picture window, so I don't really know unless that's it. Kind I think of it's off the to right. the right. Okay. Yeah. Um, that would be my guess as to where the picture window is. And they've also incorporated some of the same stonework that's in Angela's house, which I wonder if that was already there because it was a part of the probably existing. Maybe. Um, you know. I don't think those two boneheads were able, would be able to put in <laughs> that kind of fanciness. <laughs> I mean, it's impressive what they got done right. already. So, so now, Angela, I mean, Mona is actually living on the property from here on out, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so Tony shows back up. He's happy to know that they're not fighting, mm-hmm. and he brings the kids in and the food, and they are going to have a little party. Mm-hmm. And the end. So it was nice that we got some backstory a little bit into Mona and Angela as but to you, why. You, well, you missed the best part at the oh, end. I'm sorry. Is the what? fact that Tony stole a hundred dollar oh. <laughs> bottle of Dom and just put it up there for them to drink. When she was saving it for a special romantic right, evening, right, and then of right. course, after they make up, uh, Mona still takes a dig that like she's like, "Well, I'm saving for a special romantic evening," and she's like, "You know that stuff eventually goes flat," Aww. meaning she was never gonna have Poor that. Angela. But just the fact Tony was like yeah. doing what he can to get them together, and he just pulled a bottle right. of Dom. But it makes you wonder: the Tony being from Brooklyn. Does he know what a bottle of Dom Perignon oh, is true. worth? So yeah, he's just like, oh, a not. bottle right, of wine, right. grab that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's champagne. just me, like, thinking That's about funny. that type of thing. So, anyway. Yes, and of course, Mona gets her digging. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, I feel like Angela's gotten a decent amount of action since we've known her. Yeah, Mona I don't needs know. needs to settle for them down to a be bit. Like, Not yeah. like naval base worthy, but. Right. She, she can calm down. And that is it. That is yeah, the now end. that's it. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. I'm like, like, buried the lead. So let's do ratings tonight first. How many AOOAs? Uh, I give seven and a half. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. You thought more? I don't know. I gave this one a six. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I have low standards. No, I mean, I think it's just like... I like the backstory that we get with Mona and Angela. Yeah, I like that too. The rest of the story is like it's okay. It's it's funny in its moments, but it's just I just like how enthusiastic Tony ones. was to. Yes, yeah, that is get really it all sweet. the work because he's just he's all about family and family's right. first and so important. Right. Yes. I even think maybe sweet. they learn a lesson from him. Oh well, okay. Well, then that leads us to our next segment. Yeah, of course. Who's the boss around here? Me. Or my mother? Or maybe it's you! Okay, who do you think the boss is? Tony. Hands down. Yep, I agree. He ran the whole episode. He got them together. He got Mona to move into the garage. Mm -hmm. He got them to build the place together. He even organized the Paisans to come and (laughs) help build it. (laughs) The Battalions? Battalions, Bergozis? I call them the Paisans. Um, He orchestrated the whole entire thing. Yeah, I agree. If it wasn't for... uh, Hang on, I wrote my notes here. If it wasn't for the for him, she Mona would be living sixty miles away in New London. <laughs> yes, and he orchestrated the whole blasting of the music to get them both in the same place at the same time to finally make up. So I agree that Tony is definitely the boss. All right, so next time we're going to be starting on. Um, Angela's X returns. It's a two-parter, but we're gonna do it as one podcast episode. So we'll be oh boy. covering. That could be like a forty-two minute. 
I'm going to be covering maybe 50 minutes. Part one and part two. Okay. Yeah, because I don't want to watch one and then have to wait a whole week. Yeah, that, no. Right. A whole week, well, three days. Right. All right, so thank you, everyone. If you would like to reach out to us, you can at Who's the Boss Podcast on Instagram. Send us a direct message or just comment on any of the posts. Let us know what you'd like to hear, what we missed. Or you can go to anchor.fm slash WTB podcast. There you can leave a voice message if you would like to that we can play. Do we have a song? We do. This is uh, Sullivan Fortner performing the Who's the Boss theme song um, on piano. And it's actually quite a nice version of it and a really interesting I usually will Google search or search on, on YouTube for these cover versions of the song. And one of the um, comments on this particular YouTube video of Sullivan performing the song is Robert Kraft, who helped write the song. Right, and right. he actually, what's that? I said, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He actually wrote the song and he wrote, dude, I wrote this song in 1983. I was asked to write a theme song for a TV pilot. And I composed this on my $99 Yamaha keyboard in a rented apartment in Hollywood. And I thought it was the lamest thing I'd ever written. Now I'm so proud of it. This is an awesome rendition, and it sounds so much better than I could ever imagine. Many thanks, Robert Kraft. So that's that's a pretty good little compliment to to Sullivan uh, to say that the person who wrote it says it's the best he's ever heard it. So anyway, here it is. It's Sullivan Forner performing Who's the Boss on Piano. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Hey, so I'm Sullivan Fortner. I think I'm going to play Who's the Boss theme song. TV show from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs>